For over 500 straight weeks, the Sell More Book Show has brought you self-publishing news, tools, and tips, and we're just getting started. Now with rotating co-hosts from the greatest minds in self-publishing, we are truly ready to help you sell more books. I'm Brian Cohen, and on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sell More Book Show, episode 513. I'm Brian Cohen from Self Publishing Live, joined by Naomi Nakashima, a B2B ghostwriter and the writing coach and founder of Glitz and Grammar. Naomi, how are you today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you, Brian. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm really good. We both we both had challenges with technology to to get on this call to make it work, but I believe in us going forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy to have you on. I've followed you on Clubhouse. I've seen you on TikTok, and I know that maybe a lot of the people who listen to the show uh haven't experienced uh some of your stuff, but one of the exciting things about getting to bring on new co-hosts every two weeks is that people can learn from new voices and hear from new voices as a as a ghostwriter. And you know, mm-hmm. some people in publishing are like, ah, ghostwriters, everyone's got to do your own stuff, blah, blah, blah. When ghostwriting, of course, has been a huge part of the publishing industry since it came to be. Like, yeah. what what do you think people have as as kind of misconceptions about ghostwriting? Um, well, one of the biggest misconceptions that I think people have is they think that the person hiring the ghostwriter mm-hmm. just like comes to me with a title. Like they'll <laughs> say, hey, I've got this million dollar book idea. Go write it. <laughs> and then so the argument becomes that is it my story or is it their story and i'm like no it's their story because that's not how ghostwriting works yeah yeah um we sit down and we plan everything together i basically pull the ideas out of their head and help them put it into words so it's a hundred percent the author's story it's the author's creation their characters everything comes from the author all I'm doing is helping them put it together into a book. That's awesome. I mean, you, you, I know you've published your own book. You, you've, mm-hmm. you've coached a lot of authors. You've edited for authors. You've done a lot. I mean, how do you think the ghost writing has impacted like how you teach authors who are uh, uh, planning to publish their own books? Well, the, the biggest thing, and I, th- I think it has helped me and other authors, primarily because my perspective is so different. So people come to me usually when they're already feeling like they can't publish for one mm. reason or another. They don't have time. They don't have the expertise. They're not a good writer, um, whatever those things are. And I've never felt good about the idea of uh, taking money if, if they didn't need me. Like if all right. I wanted was some encouragement, I can offer them encouragement. Right. Um, and I've heard just oh so many reasons why people can't write. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I've been able to like put all of that together to help 
my my clients, uh, regardless of which step they are at, and put it together that way for them. That is awesome. I was reading something of yours. Um, I, I'm getting the quote up. You, we we talk a lot about marketing on the show. And mm-hmm. I was looking up quotes because I wanted to use something in my webinar to promote some things this week. Because, uh, you know, as I haven't shared yet this episode, you are one of the speakers for Self-Publishing Live 2024, <laughs> which I'm so excited about in October. Yeah. So you said, and we talk a lot about marketing and a lot of authors think about tactics a lot of authors think about how can I market my way out of this? And you said in a social media post, marketing can fix almost anything, but it can't fix your lack of vision. The good news is your vision is fluid. It's not a box. It can change. So you've, if you've been sitting there going, I don't know what I want to be doing just yet, but I'm scared to identify my ideal reader or put together a vision because I don't want to be locked into anything Take this as your sign to throw away the lock and put together your vision. I love that because so many authors are taking every course under the sun. They're doing every piece of marketing advice they've heard on TikTok or wherever. But I mean, it comes down to they need to have a solid plan for what they're going to write and how it's going to connect with readers I mean, what what inspired you to kind of write this? I, I imagine it's seeing this in the community over and over again. Um, so a lot of times when, and I'm, I'm sure the same thing happens to you, someone will ask me about marketing. I need help with marketing. And I will ask them, okay, who's your ideal reader? Who are you trying to market to? And they have no idea. Mm. Or they start listing off demographics. Oh, anyone between the ages of 16 and, 107 who likes young adult fantasy you know and it's like okay well right there (laughs) right there we can start to narrow this down yeah um or i'll ask them where where do you want your author career to go and a lot of times this comes into play with how do they want to publish where do they want to go with it and they just don't know. They just want to write their stories. And I get that. Artists and writers, you know, we're, we're creative and we want to just pour our soul out there. Um, but when you start trying to make this a business, these are some of the things that you have to sit down and really contemplate and decide, what do I want my career to look like in five years or in three years so that you can put these little steps into place to get there? And the marketing will help you get there, but if you don't, if you don't have that destination in mind at the time, you're just throwing words out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great, and thank you. I feel like I put you on the spot a little bit with that, but I, I do appreciate you uh, rolling with it. So, um, hey, <laughs> I know no choice in the matter, right? Um, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, good. So. Um, we're going to get into the top story and some questions, but first, uh, a couple weeks ago, we asked, uh, our listeners, how do you plan to build your group of raving true fans in 2024? Hilariously, what tactics and techniques will you use? Uh, Cassandra Medcalf, narrator and author said, I've got a discord group that I'm growing through TikTok. I know you have a discord too. 
um, Naomi. And it's been going amazingly well. People are invested in it. And by fostering a community, I feel like we all really want to see each other succeed. It's making my fans feel like they're a part of something, which I know has been really effective for me as a fan of certain artists and creatives. That's awesome, Cass. And then Caribou Bougiac said, hopefully involve my Patreon members more. Currently, I find it hard to think of ways to engage with them. I've done polls, but I still struggle with ideas that are meaningful and more personable than my general mailing list. I need to sit down and do some real brainstorming uh, about it because it currently feels like a wasted opportunity. Been there, Caribou. It's hard because, I mean, now, like I had split ad school this year and there's an ad school unlimited level. And a lot of the time, I think it's just, they want more of you. They want more personal attention from you, whether that's live video. I know you do lives, Naomi. What what do you what comes to mind for you to help out Caribou here to to get more involved with these paid Patreon members? Oh, I agree a hundred percent with what you said. People nowadays they want connection hmm. more than they want content. So the content is easy, right? You can batch content. You can pre-record a bunch of stuff all at once. That's easy, um, which is why we tend to think that, oh, I'll put together this membership. Oh, I can run a Patreon or whatever the case may be. But then we get into it and we realize they want more. They want more us. They want us to be there. Um, Not at their beck and call, but still more accessible. And that becomes difficult anyway. Um, I do love that you're trying to be more personable and that, um, you know, you're making each person feel like they're someone special and important within your community. And I think just lean in on that. Uh, Mm. One of my favorite coaches, she's, she's not, she is an author, but she's not a writing coach, Rachel Peterson. Mm. Um, in her group, she does this thing where she's got people helping her run her group. And then she just comes in live every once in a while. You know what I mean? So it's not constantly all on her, but she's still delivering value to her members who are there. And I love that approach because uh, there, it doesn't have to be all on your shoulders and definitely make sure that you're taking care of yourself because one of my struggles as I try to like provide for my members and whatnot is at the end of the day, if I haven't gotten in there yet, I'm tired. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really easy for me to be like, I'm too tired to go post in there right now. I'll do it tomorrow. And then I'll do it tomorrow because I'm tired. So make sure that you're taking care of yourself to help, you know, save that off a little bit. Yeah, really good advice. And I love Rachel Peterson, by the way, her stuff is fantastic. Is she so, amazing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Awesome. Uh, well, you can always answer the question of the week, sellmorebookshow.com or at the Sell More Book Show After Party Facebook group. Going into the top story of the week, a little bit of a curveball here. Who's helping who? Are kids the secret to getting adults to read more? That's the question posed by a new study from Germany's Reading Monitor, according to Publishing Perspectives. While more than a third of German parents rarely or never read to their children, The study finds that, quote, children are the key to encouraging parents to read aloud. In families where reading is rare, half of the time children take the initiative, end quote. The study found that 
children participating in a reading challenge inspired their families to read because, quote, children are curious about the world, the world, love to explore their environment, and above all, are looking for a challenge, end quote. Could the secret to finding more readers lie in getting more adults to read to their kids? Naomi, I have a kid. You have kids. I mm-hmm. I saw this and was like, Naomi's always posting about her kids. She She's going to have an opinion <laughs> about this. Um, uh, your, your kid posts are super funny, by the way, on Facebook. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so what were your thoughts? I mean, w- did you like nod your head to this? Like what, what did you kind of think when you heard this? Yeah, I was definitely nodding my head. Uh, My kids are, as you probably know, they're uh, precocious and curious, (laughs) and they they come up with some of the darndest things. (laughs) Um, And you know, when they were really young, I tried reading to them. Yeah, uh, and I struggled to read to them because you know I was choosing the book, and they weren't really into it. You know, yeah. and I was choosing books that were recommended to me by other parents, by teachers, by, um, you know, my I my degree is in psycho psychotherapy mm-hmm. and I specialize in child development. So like even by my professors, like, right. Um, and for whatever reason, my kids were just not into it. So what I the route that I took was, well, if they always see me reading then maybe mm. they'll understand a little bit more about books. And I surrounded them with books. So now every time we have to have a big conversation, like when my daughter was um, diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. and she had all those questions, I went and I bought books about them and she would get curious. She would start reading. Then she would come to me with her book choices and I would read them with her or let her read them to me and just help her or whatever the case may be. And yeah, just by doing that following her lead now my son does the same thing mm-hmm. and i can see that in i mean obviously i i have a, you know i'm a little bit biased towards books anyway right but in families that don't read a lot following the child the child is going to lead you to books i can see that 100 percent. yeah i mean we didn't i don't know why i i think it was just some post-covid fear and <laughs> just didn't go to the library as much as we maybe could have uh after Riley was like starting to get interested in in books but now we go to the library so often and just the most amazing thing like we we had said to Riley oh you have to bring some some of these books back to the school library she's got books from the school library and from the township library and yeah. um she we were like well we can't bring these back cuz you you know you haven't read you haven't finished this one. And uh, she just like, was like, great, picks up the book. Like I'm, I'm sitting and reading something and we're just like read at the same time for, for half an hour. And then I didn't even realize what she was doing. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll read too. But she's like finished. And you know, then we can bring it back. And it's just like, I've been getting more books from the library because she's been getting them. So mm-hmm. I, I absolutely fit with this I resemble this study. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and and I love thinking about just like you know there's so many readers out there but we rarely think about creating new readers and it's interesting because you and I are going to chat for 2 weeks in a row and kind of both of our news stories are about finding new readers in the world 
in a way. And I'm really excited about the prospect that, yes, there's so many readers out there, but the amazing kids of the world will get more re- more authors, I mean, more readers inspired uh, uh, into our world. And then those kids will grow up to become readers, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's all very exciting. I've got a hot potato, a wisdom question for you, Naomi. How do you feel like reading aloud? I know you've kind of touched on this a little, but how do you feel like reading aloud or or surrounding your kids with books has impacted their learning and their education? Uh, it definitely makes them a little bit more curious. My kids, I mean, my kids ask me questions all the time anyway. I think every kid just naturally <laughs> ask questions. Um, but my kids really dive into the world of books. Like they compare them to each other. Well, how come in this book, the dragon was able to do this, but in this book, they weren't, you know, and it's like a completely different story. That part doesn't mesh yet. You know, the fact yeah. that it's a different story with different world building and therefore different rules. That part and to them, it's all one world. And so huh. they're trying to make everything and they're creating these cross-reference points that I just find fascinating. And sometimes they come up with these thoughts and they try to apply it to the real, you know, the, the physical realm around them. And they're like, well, th- but this is how the world should work. And I said, you know what? This is how the world should work. You're right. Let's try <laughs> to build it, you know? Um, it just, they are like the embodiment of, art imitating life, imitating art, you know, like they're taking it in and consuming it right now. And pretty soon that's going to develop into their personalities and the art that they create as they grow up. I love that. I love that. Um, it, it's, it makes me think of the, uh, the Paramount plus commercials, these crazy crossovers where you've got like, uh, Picard and Hey Arnold and, uh, Drew Barrymore all in the same shared universe of paramount plus and so you've uh uh your kids have combined a bunch of books in their heads to make the a giant shared universe yep yeah 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 so you've got a question for me here in these hot potatoes i do what do you think it would look like if indies got involved in trying to get adults to share reading with their kids i love this so if 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 we as a community can, like, we decided on this objective that we're going to get more adults to read to their kids, I think we would do a better job of sharing children's books that are written by indies. There are so many there. I've, I try to make sure that my daughter reads a lot of indie books. There, it doesn't just always have to be the popular traditionally published books. There's so many indie books out there, and I think it would grow this support and this love uh, uh, that that spreads within our own community of just, let's help other indies. We can always be helping indie children's book authors to sell more books, and that can inspire these uh, readers of ours to buy books for their kids that then inspires them to want to read more books, and maybe that benefit comes back to us. But even if it doesn't, it still leads to the community taking care of each other, which if you've been listening for 513 weeks, you probably know is something that's important to me. Very. 
(laughs) (laughs) And even if you haven't, you might know that it's important to me. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Well, awesome, Naomi. I'm glad we got to talk about this story. So I didn't prep you on this. I do apologize. So here comes another (laughs) curveball. So as we go into this lightning round, uh, it is the guest's responsibility to make a lightning sound. So you just have to think uh, about, think about a sound effect that might correspond with lightning and then we can start the lightning round. Uh, it's so (laughs) bad. It sounds too. Like the only thing coming to my head is like a. And that's fine. Yeah. Oh, good. Then. There we go. See, it's good. It's good. We, we, like I said, I should have prepped you for it. We'll be more ready for it the second time. Uh, it's a good, it's a good breathing and laughing point for the, uh, this section of the show. So, um, great work. Let's do the lightning round. Naomi, there are dozens of events for authors to attend each year. Maybe at this point it's over 50. I I don't know. Could be over a hundred. Um, when you put in all the local events. So how do you choose an event to attend as an author, as an editor, as a ghostwriter, but as a person in this industry, how do you, how do you decide? There's a few different things. Um, I always go back to vision. Mm. I always go back to vision. So obviously if you have a vision for where you want to be or what you want your career to look like or what you want to achieve, you're going to be able to sit down and put together kind of a checklist of what you want to learn this year in order to get there. Mm. And then I would take your checklist and compare it to the different events to see which one's going to check it off. I, it's so easy to get lost down a rabbit hole of events because you go there and you see all these names and especially if they're big names, you're like, Oh my God. And you get starstruck. Mm-hmm. And then you see all these things and they could be, they sound amazing, but do you actually really need them? Are they on your list of things? I've, you know, I've seen people go to um, these marketing conferences and they went to all the YouTube classes because all their favorite YouTubers were there, but they're yeah. not even trying to launch on YouTube, you know? So it's like, well, <laughs> you worked really hard and you learned a lot, but you're not, actually able to apply any of it because it's not in your goal setting you know so um really have your own checklist of what you want to learn and what and what it means to you and then obviously there's going to be a few other things like location um time of the year logistics can you bring your kids things like that budget reasons might come into play as well um but the big one is have your own checklist of things yeah (laughs) i love that and I love I love your your concept of going back to vision because so many authors are just floating. And so having having a vision of where you want to be is super, super important. Yeah. 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 Awesome. You've got a question for me, Naomi. Yes. So, Brian, <laughs> self-publishing live yep. coming up. Yep. How can an author maximize what they're learning at an in-person event? Well, whether you're attending Self-Publishing Live 2024 in October in North Carolina or virtually, or you are going to any in-person event, I I subscribe to the idea of just-in-time learning. The concept of just-in-time learning 
and, and this goes back to something you were just saying, Naomi, is that learning something that you're focused on and ignoring everything else, just shutting it out. If you see there's seven talks going on right now and none of them matter to you in the long run, you don't need to be polite. You can go back to your room or you can strike up a conversation with someone in the hallway. You do not Mm -hmm. need to learn more just because you're there. I have had masterminds that I've been a part of, in-person things I've been a part of where the best thing I learned was oh, I should change to this uh, rewards credit card. And that was still worth the amount of money that I paid, even just taking one piece of advice. So be willing to learn less, but focused on what it is you actually need to learn. Oh, yes. I love that. I'm a huge fan of just-in-time learning. Huge fan. Oh, good, good. I assumed you would be from your previous answer, too. I think we're aligned on this for sure. Um, all right. Awesome. So let's let's ask a ghostwriting question here. So, Naomi, what skills does a ghostwriter need to develop that maybe a typical author who's just publishing their own books might not be as concerned about? That... <laughs> Ooh, that is a really good question. <laughs> All right. So um, one of the, well, one of the things uh, any good ghostwriter is going to be able to do and any good editor, I might, yeah. I might throw that in there, especially developmental editor. Um, we're going to be able to see your vision for your book. So mm. a lot of times authors, you know, I mean, <laughs> we come, we come back down to vision, right? Authors yeah. sometimes don't even have a vision for their own book. So a ghostwriter has to be able to pull that out. Um, And you can tell me a story, right? Like you can sit down and you can tell me a story. I could sit down and tell that same story. But my job as a ghostwriter is to tell that same story the way that you tell it, Mm. which can be a little bit difficult if you don't have your voice defined yet. Um, Developmental editors do a lot of the same thing as they're trying to like restructure your story and stuff. They're doing it in a way that aligns with the author's voice and the author's vision. So that's something that I don't think a lot of authors think about until way later in the process. We're already thinking about it at the planning stage. At yeah. the, you know, do you have a working title yet stage? <laughs> We're already trying to put those pieces together and pull that vision out of you. I love that. And and it's funny because I think about that a lot, like as a business owner, I think about the vision for my business, but thinking about how each book needs a vision, whether, you know, whether you're ghostwriting, you're working with a developmental editor, or you're just doing it on your own, that vision is going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. That totally yeah. makes sense. All right, you got a question for me. Yes. So, Brian, (laughs) uh, what is your editing process like and how has it changed over the years? Um, Well, it's gotten lazier, that's for sure. So (laughs) my my editing process used to be, and I was really proud of this when I was writing more fiction, uh, I would would employ kind of alpha readers and beta readers. I was trying to be speedy in the process and so... I would even finish a quarter of my book in its first draft and I would send it to somebody to look at. So I was getting feedback very early in the process 
And I think that feedback definitely helped me a lot uh, to grow as a writer. I had a good friend who was working at Penguin at the time, and she was kind enough to look at it, which was really cool, even though I was planning to self-publish it. And so that was kind of my process. And then I would go through copy editing, then I would go through making changes on my own. But if I could go back in time, I do think I would employ more developmental editing because I do think that there are, if if I had improved significantly between like 2014 and 2017, when I republished my, my first series, I think I might've gone deeper into it. I'm happy with how things turned out. I'm really happy with my business, happy to be helping authors. But I do think that now my process is very much like, what you see is what you get. I'm going to get a copy edit on it, and then I'm putting it out into the world. And for my nonfiction, that works pretty well. For my fiction, mm-hmm. I don't think that would work well. I would need to mm-hmm. finally, at long last, pony up for some developmental editing. <laughs> That's amazing, though, being able to like look back and, and see the progress and how it has changed and yeah fiction editing is very different from nonfiction. you can get away with a lot i feel like in nonfiction. yeah and i have so um (laughs) (laughs) naomi last question to you and i know a lot of authors have probably come to you with this kind of question so how can a beginner author with a minimal budget still get a quality edit or let's even say produce a quality product with their next book? I adore this question. Oh, good. So, <laughs> so thank you for this. Sure. Um, I'm sure you have been in, like, there's nothing quite so discouraging as when you're in a Facebook group and someone says, if you can't afford an editor, don't publish a book. Mm. Like, I feel like that just hits a new author right, right in the heart. And it's probably stopped so many people in their tracks. Um, The thing you have to remember if you're a new author is if you can't afford to pay money for an editor, then the currency you have to use is time. Yeah. Um, If you take the time to edit your book and not even just edit your book, because a lot of new authors, they learn editing by trying it out on their book. Like you like actually take the time to learn editing you can 100% produce a good quality book. And you have to also remember what editors do. They provide kind of a liaison between you and your story to help provide some distance between you as the author and your story. So you're going to replace that by taking breaks. Um, Because without the editor, now you're too close. Uh, And they provide expertise and and feedback. You're going to replace that by strategically using alpha readers, sensitivity readers, and or beta readers to make sure you're getting the editorial feedback, the tension and uh, representational feedback that you need for your characters, and the market feedback at key points throughout your edit. In the very least, if you employ these two processes through your editorial process, at the very least, you're going to get an editor at a pretty low price comparatively to sending off your complete rough draft because now you've 
gone through and actually found a lot of the structural changes. And you might even be able to go without hiring an editor at all. Um, and maybe just hiring a proofreader to like make sure everything, you know, the commas are all together and whatnot. But yeah, um, instead of a two month process, it's going to be closer to a year. Like, don't be in a hurry. Really invest the time to learn and then apply that learning to your book in that order. I love that. I'm glad I'm glad I got to tee you up with that one because uh, I'm sh- I was certain that you you had a good answer for it and you you did. So way to go. Um, <laughs> Thank you for teeing me up so well. <laughs> of course, of course. So we need and we have every week a question of the week. Obviously, we could go back to this German reading thing, uh, but we could really ask about anything whatsoever, ghostwriting, about in-person events. Uh, Naomi, as the guest, you kind of get to choose a direction. You don't have to come up with the whole question. I can do that. But <laughs> what do you think? What do you What do you want to hear about? Um. Uh, Even just the general subject, and I can go with it. Well, then let's keep going with something edit editorial. Let's, oh, let's I love keep that. on the subject of editing. <laughs> I, okay, there, I have a vi- I have a vision. For this question. Um, So how did you get your first book edited? And how has your editing process changed over time? Because I really do want to know the answer to that. (laughs) Um, So how did you get your first book edited? And how has your editing process changed over time? You can answer the question of the week over at sellmorebookshow.com or in the Sell More Book Show After Party Facebook group. Naomi, it's been so nice to have you here this week. Thank you so much for having me here. This has been a blast. Oh, I'm so glad. Likewise, likewise. Where are the great places that people can find you on the internet and the socials? I am everywhere as Help Me Naomi, uh, mm-hmm. because Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> so you'll find me everywhere on as Help Me Naomi. I am the most active on TikTok and YouTube. Um, I do a live Q&A every morning uh, over on YouTube. Um, and you can also join my Discord server, which is at whowantstowriteabook.com. Uh, just for encouragement and hanging out with other writers and, you know, the, the general help with getting your book out. Love that. Love that. So definitely go check out Naomi and all of the places. Thank you again for joining us today. It was it was a bunch of fun. Thank you. Of course. So everybody, uh, Naomi will be back next week. You can also go hang out with Naomi in North Carolina. It's self-publishing live, selfpublishinglive.com. That'll be October uh, 15th and 16th, 2024. Come see us. Uh, For Naomi, I'm Brian. Have a great week of book selling, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sell More Book Show. Visit the website at www.sellmorebookshow.com for detailed show notes and subscription information, or to send us news or comments for use on the show. Also, please take a moment to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening, and happy book selling!